Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Well, here we are at the end of 2023, and off we go into 2024, and all completely seamlessly. One day rolled into the next, just like every other day we have been alive But we seem to make such a big deal about this moment in time every year. Every year, we have the same old stale comments we utter dozens of times for months, such as, can you believe the year is almost over? Can you believe it's almost the new year? Where does the time go? Time sure does fly these days. And we love to respond to all of these comments just as many times with, I know, can you believe it? Time sure is racing by. It's unbelievable, isn't it? But let's get real here. What is so unbelievable about all this? Why is this one day so shocking? Are we really that limited in our awareness of what is so much more important to discuss than what day it will be and is every 365th day? Are we really that shallow that we have nothing more to occupy our time than rattling on about one millisecond in time when our clock goes from 11.59 p.m. to 12 a.m.? And at this time of year, one is also very hard-pressed to distinguish a Christian from a non-Christian, because the church is in perfect harmony with the world and singing the same tune, the tune of shock, disbelief, awe, amazement, and surprise about the old year, the new year, and everything in between. So the question I have is this, why isn't the church, Christians, singing a different tune? Why aren't believers in awe and wonder and full of thanksgiving this time of year? that God has so amazingly allowed each of us to have even more time to grow in our relationship with Him, to have more time to tell the world about Him, to spend more time encouraging all of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling around the world, and more time to encourage and uplift those in our midst, and that God has given us more time to do more to serve Him and live a life the next 365 days that is encouraging and honoring to everyone around us and living the next 365 days for our great and awesome God. And this is the crux of this message. How are we going to live our lives in 2024? Are we going to live self-centered or God-centered? And this is a choice you and I get to make right now and every day in this new year. I find it fascinating that beginning roughly mid-October, we start hearing all of the yearly comments we just covered with regard to the current year coming to a close and a new year starting. But one thing I have not heard, and I fully confess it is not something I talk about either, is how quickly the year went by and how much more we could have done to serve the Lord. I don't hear, and again, I haven't said, I can't wait for the new year to do even more for the Lord and tell more people about what I know and have experienced in my relationship with Christ this past year. And the crazy part is we supposedly just finished celebrating a moment of the year that we acknowledged all that God has done for us and we blabber on and on about giving and loving and peace and joy, yet we still don't talk about how much we need to give away of ourselves. And I don't mean in the form of buying people things with the hope they will love us back for it. It's true, a lot of gift giving at Christmas time is very self-centered. Like to hear it or not, we often give and expect back, and we often give with the motives of being thanked and told we love it. And when we are not thanked, or the recipient of our gift does not like it, it usually brings out the worst in us. 
So what are our true motives in giving ourselves away anyway? Perhaps at this point you think I am nothing more than a bitter, anti-celebratory, anti-New Year, anti-gift-giving legalist, but that is truly not the case. I do enjoy marking moments and times of the seasons and decorating and all that festive stuff, but when it comes to all that God desires and expects and what He asks of us, we need to get very real and make sure, as believers, that we are, in all things, acknowledging Him and not gratifying and celebrating ourselves which we are exceptionally good at doing year-round. So how are we, as believers, Christians, Christ followers, those who claim to be born again in Him, going to live the next 365 days? Are we going to live self-centered or God-centered? And with that, we are going to look at how we can live a God-centered 2024 and a God-centered life well after 2024 comes to a close and up to the very time Christ returns. So let's take a look at our first passage of Scripture, and that from 2 Corinthians 10.12. It says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. That's a pretty remarkable passage about what it looks like to be self-centered. We love to measure ourselves against each other, and many of us love to one-up the ones we measure ourselves against, and it turns into a self-fest. Me, myself, and I are better than you, or that is what many of us at least attempt to do. Yes, I fall victim to that attitude all too often. Pathetically, at the moment, it seems kind of fun to be above the fray and have something to brag about and show off in a modest, humble sort of a Christian way, though. Because, you know, if you say, oh, look at what God has done for me, look at what God has given me, it becomes a very holy and righteous and acceptable kind of a brag. And that is indeed an attitude many Christians live by. But this is wrong and does not honor God or justify any position of our self-centeredness. How about we take a look at Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only at his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And this passage ties in nicely with having just come off of celebrating ourselves over Christmas. We did indeed lavish ourselves with presents and decorating and showing off and very likely spending more money than we have. But nonetheless, we pulled out all the stops, but only with and for those we love, of course. Don't forget Luke 6.35 says, Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And this gives us a good picture of how all of us live our lives to some degree or another. Maybe there are some things you don't engage in on this list, but this is who we are. And even if we have truly accepted Jesus as Lord and Master of our lives, to a great extent, this is who we remain our whole lives as well. Let's take a look at 2 Timothy 3.2. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and unholy. And this, too, is a great example of who we are as believers, good American church-going people. Our bent, like it or not, is to gratify self. Our bent is to serve ourselves and sometimes those we really love before we serve God. We are much quicker to financially sacrifice for ourselves and one another than financially sacrifice to God what is rightly His from the start. How about we reread Philippians 2, 3 with that? 
do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. But you say, I do that. I am so sacrificial with everyone. I give and give and give. I volunteer and I do this and I do that and donate my money. And likely I give more money to my church than anyone else. And perhaps you do, but that does not indicate that you are still not doing all of these things with a self-centered heart. What do I mean? As God points out, it is easy to be selfless with people we love. It is easy to give to those we have no apparent differences with. And it's easy to tolerate just about anyone who does not interfere with our lives in a way we have decided unacceptable. 1 Corinthians 10.24 tells us, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. How about we keep going? James 3.16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder, and every vile practice. How about one more? John 5, 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? These three passages from God's Word are very clear and leave no wiggle room in exactly how we as Christians are to live our lives, and that we are to live our lives very, very selfless. We are to take great inventory of our lives with God and make sure we are living God-centered lives that exhibit the very life that has been modeled for us by Jesus himself. Again, this can generally be fairly simple to do with people we love and like and appreciate, and as our passage from John 5:44 states, those that shower us with glory and praise. But what about those unlovable, miserable people in our lives? Luke 6.27, Jesus said, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Again, a very profound statement from Jesus, who did not mince his words here. Do good to those who hate you. Love your enemies. In other words, that is one incredible act of being the antithesis of self-centered. And when we live as God calls us, that of being God-centered and doing as he calls us to do, then and only then will we receive blessings and rewards beyond our comprehension. Romans 12:16 takes this a bit further for us. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And how about Titus 1:8? We are to be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And these three passages once again define exactly how we are to be living, and that is selfless. Now, it is important to note here that just because you don't live a self-centered life and you are maybe always doing for others, that does not mean you are doing any of it for the Lord, as I pointed out earlier. And here's a good test to run on your life to see just how and why you are giving and whether or not it does honor God. For that, let's take a look at Matthew 9.23. And it says, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. And this is still more compelling evidence that when we are God-centered and through that living our lives free of self and giving and helping others in any position in life, we need to do it and let it be. No fanfare of, look at me, look at what I did today, look at how I serve others. And as our passage points out, if you do, you will be labeled a hypocrite. Keep in mind as we move along here, all of these things that are in God's Word are there because they are all the things we as people are bent on doing. And the majority of what we are instructed on in God's Word are either things we need to do that we are likely not 
to do or things we have no business doing that we are very likely to do. Inasmuch, we never hear God telling us that we are where we need to be in life. Again, as I just pointed out, we are constantly reminded by God through his word that we must always be in a constant state of awareness and growth every day of our lives. So what does a God-centered life look like? And for that, we will take a look at Galatians 5:22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. There is the God-centered life we as believers are to live out. And if we could live out just one of these on the list, our lives and the lives of others around us would be incredible. Note of caution here, don't attempt to perfect anything on this list, however, as you will be wasting your time to do that. Instead, we need to remember with everything we do, it is hard not to live a self-centered life. It requires us going to God every day and asking for wisdom and strength to get out of self and into God. Remember, God wants our best, not an attempt at the impossible result of perfection. So to live a God-centered life, it is very evident that we must be free from blowing our own horn about how loving, joyous, peaceable, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled we think we are or claim to be. Again, if we bring any of that self-centered attitude to the table, we will be found out quite quickly that we are a complete fraud. Satan wants nothing more, don't forget, than for Christians to look stupid, make stupid mistakes, not admit when we are wrong, and in general living our lives as hypocrites. And all this for no other reason than Satan desires those who have committed their lives to Christ to be poor representatives and unable to spread God's word with any sort of effectiveness. But this is our choice. We get to decide if we will go through life walking a tightrope over the Grand Canyon or walk on solid ground around the Grand Canyon. So how are you going to live your life this year? Is it going to be all about you? Is it you who will decide the direction you go the next 365 days? Is it you who will decide how healthy you are going to be this year based on all of the things you decide will keep you happy and healthy? Is it you who will decide how you will get out of debt? Is it going to be you who decides how relationships will work out? Is it going to be you who will decide your raise or promotion or bigger house or bigger car? Is it you who will decide how much longer you live? Are these all the things you are in charge of? Are you the puppet master of all these and the thousands of other things you don't even have a clue are coming down the pike? Are you really that bold to tell God how this next year is going to go based on your plans? Or are you willing to submit your hopes and desires for the new year to God and let him orchestrate the who, what, when, why, and how of the next 365 days? Are you going to live out 2024 God-centered or self-centered? But let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Let's not get carried away with planning out the new year and deciding how it is going to go. After all, we don't know what the next five seconds has in store for us. And all the questions I just presented here can very easily and often do put us right back into a me-fest all over again. Let's look at James 4, 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. 
yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. This passage simplified, it's okay to plan your life, but it is not okay to decide your life with your plans. We also read here, if you are self-centered, you are arrogant, and that's blunt. If you think you are in control, you are arrogant. And if you think you can change much of anything, you are arrogant. And let's face it, 99.999% of us, including me, are living very arrogant lives. But isn't it true that the same 99.999% of people who are arrogant detest arrogant, self-centered people? And how self-centered is that? So if you truly don't like self-centered, arrogant people, and you think they are so arrogant, then look at yourself first and be sure to live your life very differently than they do this year. And this takes us to a few more passages in the scripture that point us to living a genuinely God-centered life. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Indeed, we need to trust God, not self. How about Proverbs 19, 21? Many are the plans in the mind of a person, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. What have we here? This is a pretty bold comment. And from this we see, if we choose not to live our lives according to God's calling, God's plans and God's purpose will prevail. God is going to move on with or without us. So the question for the believer must be, will I choose to live 2024 knowing what is right, but continuing to do as I choose and drown in my sin and repeat 2023 and all the years prior and have God move on without me? Or will I decide to do my very best and serve him? Was 2023 hard and long? even though we can't believe it went by so fast? Was 2023 challenging, angering, scary, sad, dreadful? Did you do plenty of worrying and wringing of your hands? And did you make sure to tell everyone else around you how awful everything is getting? Did you regularly share your media-driven testimony of the chaos the world is in and that surely Jesus is returning any second now? As a Christian, why are you acting so shocked about what is happening Have you not read, do you not know, and have you not heard the very words of God? Matthew 20, 13 says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And when those who call themselves Christians act shocked and surprised and shake their heads in disbelief over all these things, we are announcing to the world we have no hope and certainly no foundation in the truth we profess to trust in and that of our Lord God. And why do multitudes of Christians sound and look no different than the world? Because we pretty much do what the world does, and that of spending hours on end drinking through the world's fire hose of our TV, radio, and social media outlets, and in the end doing nothing more than parroting the world's views and the absence of God. Is he not our King of kings and Lord of lords, the leader of leaders? Is he not in complete control, and does he not know exactly what he is doing? 
And if you answer yes to these questions, then 2024 is the time to start living that out for the world to see. May I encourage each of us to get out of our crusty, remote-controlled, massaging couches and get to work for God. Let's stop complaining and whining and moaning and slandering and judging and being no more than parrots of our favorite news channel than we are ambassadors and broadcasters of God's Word. And if Jesus is coming any second now, don't you think there is even more urgency to get up and get going to let everyone you can know what you have discovered and that of a Savior, Jesus Christ? One last thought. Since we don't have a clue when Jesus will return, and we know from God's own word that Jesus will return like a thief in the night, no warning, no sign, no hint of his return, wouldn't it be really wise to be found by Jesus when he does return, telling the world about him? Because we so desire to live a life centered in God's will, rather than being found when he returns sitting on our sticky crumb cake couches, wringing our hands in front of our 500-inch televisions. By the way, please don't ever tell me that you need to keep up with what's going on in the world in order to properly converse with people about God's Word. That is perfectly untrue. That being said, is it wrong to watch the news and understand what is going on around our crazy planet? Not at all. But as believers, we must keep God at the center stage, first and foremost, and never living in fear and surprise of what we are facing. Let's live out our hope for all the world to see and live a God-centered 2024. Let's pray. Most gracious Lord and Father, we come to you with praise and thanksgiving for all you have blessed us with in 2023, and every year you have granted us life. We are grateful to know that not one time did you withhold anything worthy and good from us last year. And inasmuch, we thank you now because we know you will not withhold anything good from us this year. Help us, we ask, to have the strength and courage to humbly and with much hope love others as you have called us to do and share with those who wish to know the good news, your word, and all you will provide here and in eternity to come. May you bless us this year and allow Four Peaks Christian Church to flourish under your guidance and authority. Bless also those who are and will be involved in working to grow this new body and all to your honor and glory. And this we ask in the name of our gracious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.